It's a new year with new priorities for New York Farm Bureau. Hello, and welcome to the second season of New York Farm Bureau's News Bites podcast. I'm Steve Ammerman, Director of Communications for New York Farm Bureau. We have some engaging and interesting interviews coming your way in the next few weeks, but we're starting things off with what is happening down at the Capitol in Albany. The legislative session just began, and this week, New York Farm Bureau released its state legislative priorities for 2023. These are major issues that our member farmers and state board will be focusing on in the coming months to make a difference for New York agriculture and our food system. So to kick things off, we sat down with New York Farm Bureau's public policy director, Jeff Williams. Well, with us today is Jeff Williams, the public policy director for New York Farm Bureau. Thanks for being a part of our News Bites podcast, Jeff. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. So let's start off with it's a new year. That means a new legislative session. What does the general landscape look like in Albany for farmers and Farm Bureau? Well, it looks a lot like the last two years. You know, we've had a red wave in Congress, but in New York State, we still have a veto-proof majority in both the Assembly and the Senate. So, you know, it's there's it the Senate and the Assembly are still predominantly controlled by New York City members, which, you know, is, presents a challenge, yet also an opportunity. And the ag chairs, we do know who will be heading up the agriculture committees as well again this year. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the still the same as the past two years. Senator Hinchy from the Hudson Valley is the Senate ag chair. And Donna Lepardo continues to be the assembly agricultural chair, which we're very happy with. There's great continuity and they're great partners. Uh, we do have a shakeup in the, the Environmental Conservation Committee, which they definitely do a lot of policy work that can impact farmers. Peter Harkum is a, is a new senator, Senate Ag Chair, and Deborah Glick from New York City is the new Assembly, Encon uh, Chair, I should say. And so we've been reaching out to them to, to, to meet with them, talk about agricultural issues as they intersect with environmental policy, which is really, really important in this day and age. And Governor Hochul, this is her first full term as elected governor. She just had her state of the state and there were some promising things in there for agriculture. I know she has met with our farmers, met with our, our president, David Fisher, last year, and she spoke at Ag Society this year. Anything that stood out in the state of the state from a policy perspective for farmers? Yeah, I, I think the biggest one, and it really can be very impactful, is a refundable investment tax credit for, for agriculture. So Farmers that invest in equipment or buildings or, you know, anything they need on farms, they get that refunded in their taxes. If the farmer has no tax liability at all, they'll actually get a check back from the state to those investments. And that really is designed to spur investment, obviously, in agriculture. The governor does recognize that agriculture is a major economic driver, not just in upstate New York, but across the state. And this is a really good way in order to, to generate you know, income and revenue uh, on farms. And honestly, if people listening remember Carl Brink from a long time ago, a, a farmer member from Tioga County, county president, state board member, he was the champion of this issue. So it's been 25, 30 years of this thing is, but with the, we've been trying ad, advocating for this and have Governor Hope actually include it in her state of the state is a, is a great thing. Well, let's talk about the advocacy work that... Farm Bureau does and, and your public policy team. I mean, everything that you advocate for starts at the member level. It truly is a grassroots process where members introduce resolutions at county annual meetings and it kind of works its way up through the process. Can you talk a little bit more about that process and the validity it provides our organization when you do go in to have those meetings in Albany and also in, in Washington with lawmakers? 
Absolutely. You know, every other association like New York Farm Bureau has a policy committee. So they have maybe six to 12 people who are their members get together and talk about what the organization's positions should be. We have 14,000 people, members across the state, talking about what our positions should be. So that a farmer literally can be in his or her tractor in the summertime and an idea for a bill may pop into his or her head. And that idea could actually become state policy in the in one year. And I've seen it happen where that policy then is turned into law within a year. So every farmer has a chance to effectuate policy in agriculture on behalf of the New York Farm Bureau. And then that's what makes our Count Farm Bureau is so, so needed and important as far as driving grassroots policy. I mean, when myself or any member of our public policy team goes in to talk to a congressperson, to the president, to the governor, to an assembly person, we're not bringing our ideas or, or positions or beliefs. We're bringing our members' positions and beliefs. And that's what gives, is, is unique, first of all, but also gives tremendous amount of credibility to our relationships and our positions. Because again, it's not Jeff Williams. It's, it's you know, Carl Brink talking about the investment tax credit. That, that's, that it's really a unique process. So what is a day like for you or members of your team? Well, I can tell you, I can give you an example for tomorrow. Tomorrow is a session day in Albany. And so our entire team, four of us will be down in at the Capitol. We have a series of meetings throughout the day with rankers on the agricultural committee the chairs of the agriculture committee, staff, their staff, essential staff under the leaders of those committees. And we literally walk from office to office and talk about issues our farmers care about. And a lot of times it's, it's really nice because those members will then ask us questions about other issues. And so it's, it's you know, we try to make it a really organic experience, pardon the, the, the pun, but to, you know, to, to have those fulsome conversations on policy. And we do that every day. You know, they're there every day and staff is there every day. And we want to make, make sure we're a resource to those members, a trusted resource. But in, in another day, we could be meeting with other agricultural organizations, you know, in Syracuse or, or virtually. But our goal really is to get to people, elected officials, decision makers with their members policy. So this year, our state board approved a set of priority issues. Doesn't mean that other issues won't be worked on over the course of this year. But priorities are our, our major issues that have a far-reaching impact for our farmers and, and, and have some chance of success. So let's review some of those policy priority issues. A big one is the state budget. Every year, that's important to our farmers because the state does support a number of, of programs. You know, How are things looking from the budget? We're still waiting for the governor's numbers to come out. But let's talk about the budget priorities for our organization. Yeah, the, the budget, the state budget, in the end, becomes our promotional tools, our our animal health funding tools, and our research tools. You know, a lot of money goes to our colleges across the state to help farmers with applied research and extension to help them in their fields, but also does promotion, you know, across the country and the world for a number of of commodities like maple. Maple syrup comes to mind or maple products come to mind. But also there is a lot of work done to make sure our livestock and our animal herds are healthy. And we continue to provide the safest environment for those animals and livestock, but also the safest food for consumers as well. But there's a whole host of other environmental programs as well through the Environmental Protection Fund that can help with water quality, soil and water conservation districts, cover cropping, for example, when it comes to addressing climate change. So all in all, there is about yeah, I would guess between 60 and $80 million that come from the budget for directly 
for agriculture. I mean, that's out of the $200 billion budget, but still it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of money and we depend upon our ag chairs and, and like-minded legislators to understand the importance of those programs and make sure they're fully funded. One other thing that may have budget implications is the unemployment insurance issue. There's been assessment charges put on businesses to help fund the debt load that New York State accumulated when it essentially took out loans to handle all the increase in unemployment needs during the pandemic. And that's been a big concern for our farmers. And that's a priority issue as well. So is that something you'll be talking about with, with lawmakers? And are you getting any kind of feedback? I am already getting bored talking about it so much because it's such an important issue for agriculture and for the business community. New York is the only state that's making businesses pay for the, the interest and then the overall pay, payment back to the federal government for those loans, as you mentioned. Every other state has started to pay down the, or has paid down the interest or has paid their, their loans back. And to balance that, those payments on businesses in an already high cost state for doing business, is honestly just embarrassing. And so we've been talking with the governor, that's our first talking point with any legislator. And they agree with us, they absolutely agree with us. I, I think we were all collectively shocked that in the New York state, in the governor's state of the state address, that she didn't mention one thing about that. Possibly because, you know, the Department of Labor has also got some egg in its face when it comes to giving out a lot of unemployment money to people who are defrauding the system, which isn't a good look for the state. But regardless, that should not be balanced on business. And between that and the governor's plan to index minimum wage, you know, increase minimum wage by cost of living every year when we haven't even gotten to $15 upstate is really troubling for just the general business community. If anything, we need to halt at 15 and take a pause and see what the impacts are on businesses in the state. Our main talking point is that, you know, Sure, we need to, you know, people want to raise the minimum wage because of inflation, but inflation also hits businesses too. And at some point, businesses just don't have the money to keep paying these escalating wages, especially when we're competing against other states with much, much lower minimum wages. Another big topic that a lot of our farmers are discussing as well is solar development uh, on farmland and trying to find the balance there between private property rights and the need for renewable energy, but also the need to protect viable farmland. And uh, what are the discussions happening around that issue? It's such a tricky issue, which you just outlined. You know, Farm Bureau was born on private property rights. You know, that's our fundamental belief that every landowner should be able to do what they want with their land. But when you have to then intersect that with major solar development to try to reach a, a goal set by the state for, for renewable development. We are seeing, you know, really high quality land potentially going into large scale solar development. And we lose that land for 20 to 30 years. And it could doubt, come down, come down to being a food security issue at some point. There's really just no easy answers to this. I, I, you know, one idea that came out of our annual meeting, which we're pursuing is, you know, if a farmer wants to put their land into, you know, protected from development, purchase of development rights, maybe you would then also include in that payment the, what solar development would have been as well. And so you're not, you're not, you're protecting the land, but then getting paid for not developing it for solar, which, which is a very interesting idea. And we're going to see what kind of traction we have for that. But it's, I wish there was an easier answer to this because unfortunately food production and solar production aren't compatible. And I know many people who refuse to call them solar farms because they're not just solar farms. 
They are solar installations and farms grow food in fiber. Well, speaking of food, it is a priority on a couple levels to increase our market share, increase getting local food at the state level. That's something the governor did propose by upping the, the threshold for state procurement. In other words, getting more New York product purchased by state agencies, prisons, schools, et cetera. Is that something that we will be advocating for? Oh, absolutely. The governor set a threshold of a goal of 30% of food bought by state agencies, institutions, and potentially municipalities across the state. I mean, a lot of these things in the state of the state are aspirational. 30% is a huge number compared to what we're doing right now. But I would submit that any increase in how much the state purchases from, from New York farms is, is a major benefit. Farms need, like any business, need a stable environment to work in, a stable market. And if we can get that gold of 30% purchasing, that would be a very stable market for New York farmers. And, and it would be very beneficial for our industry. Also looking to increase market share for craft beverages. That's been a big boom to New York State when you're looking at craft breweries, cideries, spirits. And New York Farm Bureau has made it a priority to support legislation allowing for direct consumer shipping for all New York farm-based beverage products. What would that mean for our members who are in those industries? Well, in one word, parity. You know, wineries have had this ability for over 20 years now to send their products to reciprocal states that allow it and expanded their markets, you know, exponentially. This, the bill that we're advocating for would allow distillers, you know, you know spirit producers, cideries, and breweries to do the exact same thing. Nothing would change, just the different alcoholic, you know, product or farm beverage product. So it, we view it in, as a complete parity issue, an equality issue, and it really shouldn't be a big lift, but when anytime you're dealing with the with the liquor store industry and the wholesalers, it becomes a huge lift, a huge issue. And so it's it is an element of David versus Goliath when it, when it comes to Farm Bureau advocating for that issue and the large wholesalers and liquor store lobby. They're formidable. Indeed. There are a number of other priority issues we have, whether it's supporting the Nourish New York program to help farms provide local food to underserved communities, support for soil and water conservation districts, infrastructure improvements, broadband support. So these really are far-reaching priority issues and, and those can be found on our website at nyfb.org. But really all of this ultimately depends on our members getting involved as well. It's not just relying on your team to do the heavy lift. It really does rely on our farmers to be involved as well. And how would you encourage members to be a part of this process? Well, first of all, I, I can say that I've experienced this dynamic hundreds, if not thousands of times in my time working for Farm Bureau is that legislators and staff, you know, like to see me or my team, but their eyes light up when a farmer walks into their office and starts talking about issues. They become so much more engaged, so much more interested in issues and build life, life lasting relationships, which has been really fun to watch. So I, a one farmer talking about issues, legislators outweighs, you know, what we do certainly on, on a daily basis, although we do it very well. So any farmer that wants to get involved with Farm Bureau and advocacy is critical that people do for exactly that reason. But you, you know, we stand up for you every day, but standing up for yourself a couple times a year definitely helps. And the great way to do that is come to our lobby day, which is the 27th and 28th in Albany. We have a Taste of New York legislative reception, which we haven't had since the pandemic. 
which were we get a couple hundred legislators and staff there, agency people, and farmers showcasing their product from their regions. We have you know, over a hundred vendors there who are farmers sharing what what they grow. And the conversations spurred by that, the relationships spurred by that, are, are really really meaningful and very important when it comes to effectuating our policy goals. And so you know we're grassroots, not just in policy but grassroots and advocacy as well. And that's one of the most unique and important things that, that we can do for the organization. And then the next day is the actual lobby day where the members will be going into to offices of assembly members and senators. Yep. And uh, that's the fun time where we set them loose and mm -hmm. we prep them. If you wanted to be involved, you're not going in blind. We make sure we brief you and prep you in all the issues. We point you in the right direction. And uh, so many people who have come for the first year say, I will always come back because it's what a, it's just a very meaningful experience. And it, you can't afford not to do it, I guess, is the bottom line. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for talking about the priority issues and the hard work of, of the team. And ultimately, I guess we'll find out in June when session ends, you know, how successful <laughs> we've been, but we've been very successful in the past. Yeah, well, I enjoyed my time with you, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. We will keep you updated here on News Bites over the course of the session with how things are going in Albany. And for more information, you can always check out the news section of our website or catch up on previous podcasts at nyfb.org. Well, join us in the next two weeks where we'll speak with Brett Scott of Aimpoint Research on the next News Bites podcast. Brett will talk about where he thinks agriculture in New York and across the Northeast is headed in the future. Also, if you like what you heard today, Give us a positive rating on any of the popular podcast sites where you listen to this. Finally, thanks to Seth Moser Katz for putting together today's edition of News Bites. And as always, thank a farmer for all that they do.